reality on this fifth Sunday of Lent, this really is the last Lenten Sunday, because next week is Palm Sunday, when we enter into the holiest weeks in the liturgical year. So whatever we were doing for Lent, up till this next week, next week should become even more intensified, should be greater than what we have been doing, should be kicked up a notch, because that is the week that we recall our salvation and our redemption. That is the week in which we are reminded of which the Lord says, my hour has now come. It is the hour in which he comes to set us free. For the ruler of this world is cast out, when he will be lifted up. And so, my brothers and sisters, our first reading this morning is from the prophet Jeremiah. Isn't it a blessing on this fifth Sunday to hear from Jeremiah? Yes, it is a blessing. And what is so blessed about this reading from Jeremiah is that he tells us that the days are coming when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Now right there, we should just stop. Because this is essential to our understanding of God. The house of Israel is the northern kingdoms that was lost to God first. And then the house of Judah is the house of the, the, the southern kingdom that remained faithful to the Lord until they, they packed it in. And so God is coming to restore the fullness of the covenant he established with humanity from the beginning of time. When he first created our parents. This is something, my brothers and sisters, that we have lost sight of in our, day, in our modern time and culture. In our modern reality of what the covenant of God is all about. The covenant that God has established with man began in the garden. The covenant in relationship of God with humanity was marriage. It was the marriage between Adam and Eve, in which the man and woman he makes into a covenanted relationship. A covenant that was not lost in the recreation of the flood. Because God calls Noah and his wife and family onto that ark. Doesn't call Noah alone, but he restores and maintains his covenant through Israel throughout all of salvation history. And so, we, are, we recognize that this past week, the church has come out with a statement reiterating her teaching that has existed from the beginning of time regarding marriage between one man and one woman. And yet everyone is surprised. Everyone is surprised. The internet was a flutter. And you have all of these, all of these Catholics coming out saying, and sharing their disagreement with it. How can we disagree with the plan of God? But what we realize also in this covenant that God established is that in renewing the covenant, remember God renews the covenant that he started in Adam and Eve that was, that was somewhat broken through the fall, that he had to redeem and he had to fix 
over the course of 5,000 years almost, until his son comes onto this planet. But remember, God, remember Israel, do you remember Israel in the desert? You all remember Israel in the desert, right? Moses? We all remember Moses. Do you remember the covenant that God established in Exodus? The covenant that God established in Exodus at Mount Sinai was a beautiful, intimate covenant. I will, you will be my people, I will be your God. And Israel said, yes, you will do that, we will do whatever you tell us to do. And then no sooner did they say, yes, we'll do this, we'll do whatever you tell, you to, you tell us to do, they built a golden calf. They restore, where they revert back to the Egyptian practice of pagan religion, in which they, uh, they, they followed when they were prisoned, when they were slaves in Egypt. So here they say, yes, we're going to do it, and then all of a sudden, they're not doing it. Israel personifies the, our human weakness. How often do we say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, and then two seconds later, we're doing the exact opposite of what we said yes to. Human nature is no different. And so that is why we see in the book of Leviticus, in the book of Deuteronomy, the intimate covenant and relationship with God that was such a beautiful expression in Exodus becomes much more rigid, becomes much more guarded with all these extra laws because of Israel's inability to keep the simplest of the intimacies of God. The covenant, the one thing he asked from his people, be faithful to your covenant. Uh, you are my people, I am your God. The imagery that's used in scripture is what? Marriage. God is seen as the husband. Israel is seen as the bride. That marriage imagery, the first, the first sign of the covenant in the Garden of Eden is maintained throughout all of the Old Testament. It is throughout all of salvation history, where in the, in, the in the preparation of Israel to receive the God and God's salvation, he makes himself and Israel into the married couple, into the marriage covenant. And yet we see over and over again, Israel does and rejects their husband. They reject God. They align themselves with pagan rulers. They align themselves and fa fail to trust what God is doing for them. And so we see the ultimate marriage of the covenant in Jesus Christ, who himself calls himself the bridegroom. The bridegroom of what? This new covenant that we see that has been maintained, that has been promised in the prophet Jeremiah. And notice in this new covenant, this new covenant is not going to require words. It's not going to require any, any real teaching. It is a covenant in which God places within our very being. It is a covenant in which he writes his law on our very heart. And notice that when the, the proclamation or the prophecy of Jeremiah is a, pro a prophecy of not just to Israel, God will write his law on all of humanity. In doing so, he will restore Israel, the 12 tribes who as they were and intended to be, but this goes beyond just Israel. 
This covenant, the law being written on the heart, is a covenant which is for all of humanity. Whether they accept God or reject God, in this very day and age, you accept God or you reject God doesn't matter because the law is written in your heart. And the covenant will be judged, or you will be judged, by the covenanted relationship you live by that law in your heart. Everyone, 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 everyone who has an intellectual capacity, that everyone knows innately stealing is wrong. It's a given. You don't need to be taught. It's a given innately written in our heart. It is the covenant of God that tells us how to relate to each other. Innately we know killing is, killing is wrong. We don't, need, we don't need a law to tell us that. Innately we know. God has written that law on every human being. And so even if we know God or don't know God, and we violate that law in our heart, our conscience brings us to task. And so therefore, my brothers and sisters, the beauty of this covenant, this new covenant, that is going to be sealed in the blood of Jesus Christ, this new covenant is for all people. Not just, not just for a select chosen group, as Israel thought it was, but Jeremiah reminds Israel that the covenant is for all people. And that, my brothers and sisters, is a beautiful thing. That is a beautiful thing, and that is a powerful reminder to you and me, in that regardless of the lifestyle that we choose, in keeping or against what God demands and commands of us, we are intimately loved by Him who writes His covenant in our heart. That is what is most essential for us to understand and appreciate. The love that God has for us as individuals in that personal relationship that He has with each of us. Our faults, our failings prevent us, prevent you and me, from experiencing on this earth the love that God wants us to live, the love that God wants us to share with Him. But it does not stop Him from loving us. I say this week after week after week because it has to penetrate our head and then it has to get into our heart and then we have to live it with our life. Live it understanding the love that God has for me personally, a sinner, called to be a saint, but a sinner is a, a saint is a sinner that recognizes their sin and gets back up and the forgiveness and the love of God. But this is an essential reality for you and I to reflect upon, you and I to understand and appreciate, because we are intimately loved by God. And God's covenant is for you and for me and everyone who is living and breathing on this planet. Now Jesus tells us, unless a grain of wheat shall fall and die, it remains just a grain of wheat. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And so you and I are reminded that in this covenant, in this covenantal relationship we have with God, 
You and I must die to the woundedness of original sin and that selfishness that mars us, that preoccupies our focus and our attention, that prevents us from experiencing the fullness of God's covenant and prevents us then from living as his children he desires us to live as, being instruments of love, mercy, and peace. But if I do not recognize the tremendous love that God has for me, then I can never love those that God places in my path. I can love those who I get along with. I can probably love family members. But what about loving my enemy? What about praying for the one who persecutes me? What about loving someone who does horrible things in this world? There's no clause, there's no conditional phrase in anything that Jesus or God says about love. It never says, love everyone unless they do this. Love everyone unless you feel like you don't want to. No conditional phrase. There's no, there's no, there's no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And yet how often in our simplicity do we rationalize reasons why we cannot love somebody? Why we cannot love somebody who the Lord places in our path? And this is where we have to recognize the situation we live in in this world. Because the world tells us, you love me, you accept everything about me, and you even accept all the things I do that are contrary to how I should be living. That's not love. That is not love. True love is a love which challenges someone to live the life that God desires them to live. Oh, but Father, they're not Christian. Oh, Father, they're not Catholic. Oh, Father, how can I talk about it? Hello, did you hear Jeremiah? It doesn't matter what religion they are. The covenant is written in their heart. And that covenant is to be lived by all people who are part of the covenant, which means every human being alive. So therefore, you and I have a responsibility and a duty to speak the truth and love to all people. Doesn't matter what faith they belong to. Doesn't matter if they deny faith at all. It doesn't matter if they don't believe in God. They don't have to believe in Him, but He wrote His law in their heart. That needs to be followed. And this is where the challenge comes in our modern culture. This is where we get into so much challenges today, because if you don't agree with someone, if you don't accept someone's lifestyle, they, that means you do not love them. That means you are bigoted. That means you are a racist. That, my brothers and sisters, is a lie from the bowels of hell. And yet, how quickly our society has bought into that false model. And what is worse, that you and I, who claim to be disciples of Jesus Christ, buy into it as well. If we're going to buy into that model, the devil wins this battle. Because that means you and I will say nothing to anyone. Let them live their life, I'll live my life, happy, happy, joy, joy. 
Jesus commands before he, before he ascended into heaven, Go therefore and teach all nations. We are the ones to be his voice, to teach. But that means, my brothers and sisters, you and I must know what we have to teach. And we have to teach the truth in love. That is why we teach. That is why we preach. We preach because we love and we desire all people that God desires to be with him forever in heaven is there in heaven with him. And who are all these people that he wants? Every single person on this planet. No ifs, ands, or buts. They're on this planet living and breathing to be with God forever in heaven. That is the only purpose why any of us exist. And there are so many people out there that are clueless, that are not clued in to why they even exist in this world. So what are you and I doing about it? Jeremiah, the prophet, was 16 years old. Maybe one of my favorite pro well, one of my favorite prophets. Because Jeremiah wanted to proclaim the good news of salvation like he had a hole in his head. This was the last thing in his mind he wanted to do. Because every time he opened his mouth, he was ridiculed, he was derided, he, they tried to kill him, they tried to imprison him, they did all these horrible things to him. And yet, because of his knowledge, of the covenant that God had with him. He was incapable of running away. He was incapable of not doing what the Lord called him to do. So my brothers and sisters, the word of God this morning is a word which challenges you and I. First of all, it challenges you and I to experience in our own life this intimate covenant that God has established with us through Jesus Christ, who suffered, who died, and shed his blood so that you and I might live forever. But it also challenges you and me to see how is it that we live faithful to the covenant, not just for ourselves, but for all of humanity. And what part is it that we are called to play in this covenanted relationship with God to help lead others to come to know Him? God loves us, more than anything else in the world. But that doesn't mean that in his love for us, he doesn't challenge us to live in the covenanted relationship he's called us to. And in any relationship, there are rules and guidelines that we need to follow. It's within marriage, it's within family life, it's within every aspect of relationships in life. And so let us pray as we continue in this Lenten journey that we may, be, we may be more strengthened in being faithful to the Lord's call to us. We may immerse ourselves more and more in his love for us, that we may be the living witnesses of that love to this world, to the people in this world that cry out to know him. Praise be Jesus Christ, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.